Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. I've been running for a few years now and have the privilege of meeting many incredible runners on my travels all across the country. This podcast is intended to share those amazing conversations. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back. I'm here in Austin, Texas with Grayson Murphy. Grayson, thanks for joining today. Thank you for having me. Super excited. For sure. It's a beautiful day here in Austin. We're here for TRE. And uh, we're going to talk about running and life and stuff a little bit here. <laughs> Can't wait. Cool. So who is Grayson Murphy? Oh, that's a loaded question. Loaded question right from yeah. the start. <laughs> um, I guess she's multifaceted. Jack of all trades. Jackass of all trades. <laughs> Jackass of all trades. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I don't really put myself in one box. And I really try hard to make sure other people don't too. So... That often puts in a lot of new situations and new challenges, and I, I like that. Cool. So I was having a conversation yesterday with Ali Kiefer, and we were talking about like the joy you have around running, and we we're just talking about like how cool it is. And something you said right there was like exactly what we we're saying. It's like <laughs> you try not to put yourself in a box. And what Ali was saying is a lot of times, and she was speaking from her own experience, like a lot of times mm-hmm. people try and. Um, put their own expectations or put their own um, measure of happiness or success onto other people and like put them in a box. Right. So one thing you've talked about recently is mixing it up Mm -hmm. and running roads and trails and doing short and long and everything in between. Um, Where did that come from? Why did you want to do that? Um, let's dive into like, (laughs) you, you broke away from like a, a, like a specific or similar trajectory that a lot of other people have followed and you're doing your own thing, which is awesome. So, um, why? (laughs) Yeah, I guess I've never really been on a conventional running path. Um, I didn't run in high school. I started running in college. I did steeplechase and longer events now i did steeplechase and 10k and that's weird too and it's an interesting combo yeah yeah. and i guess i just figured like why start now following a conventional path and i've always kind of done what i wanted to do and usually that's not quite what other people want to do maybe i'm weird but i like running on trails and i like running on roads and I was like, why do I have to wait till I'm slow to get onto the trails? I want to do them now. And I don't see why I need to wait. So I was like, oh, just give it a go and see how it goes. And it was super fun. So I kept going with it. Um, That was in July of this year. I started running on trails and I guess I never looked back. And I just realized there's no reason you can't do both. And there's some great examples. Um, Joe Gray, Andy Wacker, Sage Kennedy, uh, Magda. I know she kind of has more divided the two, but she's still been very successful in both. And so it's cool. And there's Jim Walmsley, great examples. Like you can be good at both simultaneously. So I was like, well, I'm going to do that because I like drills. So 
So why'd you go for your first trail run? Um, like easy run. The first time you went on a trail, why? What? Well, I'm from Utah, so of course I have to go run on the trails because I'm surrounded by some of the prettiest wilderness and nature in the world. I think I'm biased, but um, so I guess I just went because it was fun, and I've always done outdoor activities. We've always been camping and hiking, fishing, rock climbing, biking, so. Running on trails was just like a natural thing for me. And I figured, why not? Why can't I do this in a race? Or why can't I be this completely immersed and happy in a race? Like, why does it have to be always track and road stuff? And then I realized it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> so did you, would you consider it like a risk that you took? Or, or do you think it was more um, like you wanted to do it so you did it? Yeah, I guess I knew I was going to do it kind of regardless. Yeah. And I know a lot of people, like, that's not the path they would have chosen yeah. for me. I know that it wasn't conventional. It wasn't like I was slow on the roads and then was like, Moved oh, over. I'll just go. Yeah. yeah. Retire and yeah. onto the trails. Um, and it wasn't like I, I still think I have a promising future on the roads. So I don't think I was like, oh, I'm never going to make it on the roads. So I guess I just, yeah, I wanted to give it a go and see what it was so something you said to eric strands on his podcast resonated and i forget what the actual quote was but it was something along the lines of like i want to do this for me and i want to do it for a long time and i think that the longevity aspect of it is um like it's what it comes down to it's like enjoying yourself and continuing to improve over the long haul i love to hear that you're taking advice from david and megan (laughs) um they're the best at that. Oh, so great. Um, and and so I work with David as well. He's my coach. And we've taken sort of the same, a bit more divided roads in the spring, trails in the fall. It's okay. kind of hard to run trails in Boston yeah. in the winter. But <laughs> so I spent the last like six months trail training. And now I'm like super fired up to go back onto the roads. And at the end of May of this past year, I was super fired up to go onto the trails. Right. So I think it's like super cool that it's a way to stay engaged with both and mm-hmm. stay excited about totally. whatever is, is upcoming. Yeah. Uh, another athlete that crosses over really well and does a lot of both is Devin Yanko. Okay. And so I, I talked with Devin. It was right before way too cool this year. So that would have been in March. And at the time I couldn't figure out what I want to do with like the next few weeks or months and she was like do whatever the fuck you want like it's it's your life nobody cares um and she's like chase one thing until you don't want to and then chase something else and then chase something else and it's just like huh yeah that makes sense yeah um so it's cool to hear people of her caliber talking like that as well and then people of your caliber doing it Mm um so what are some of the do you do you have big goals on the road on the trail what are some of the what are the, some of the things you're chasing at the moment oh i want to be relevant on both and i fully intend to have kind of like a 50-50 season like you kind of have so i think i really would like to get in a fast half marathon on the road i think that's i've been doing 10 mile and 15k stuff the last year and I feel pretty comfortable with it now so I'm ready to kind of give a stab at a half marathon distance uh it's kind of one of those PRs you just want to have and they're cool um so looking at that for 2020 and then on the trails everything's still pretty open right now I 
I want to go longer because I really enjoy the longer the better. Like I did a four-hour race, um, the Bridger Ridge Run in August, and that was so much fun too. Yeah. So I want to do like a 50K just to see. That was more of a like exploratory situation. Uh, like a fast 50K or, or like a... A you lot know, of elevation, I guess, or I don't really know. I'm kind of open to both. Yeah, I think fast would be fun, but I also do enjoy climbing, and I think I'm pretty good at that as well. So I, I'm just I'm you got a lot of races them, ahead, yeah. <laughs> and I have time to do like a variety of them. So yeah, and then definitely want to go back to World Mountain Champs and see what we can do there again. I need to go defend my title next <laughs> year. So so you won that, which is awesome. So how do you how are you picking races at this point? Um, right now I haven't set anything in stone. I've been polling a lot of people, um, David being one of them. And <laughs> how did you get connected with them? I guess just maybe Twitter and just seeing their work and reading his yeah. articles a lot. And Have you read his book or uh, their yet. book? No. It's awesome. So, yeah, and I worked with Megan. I did um, she works with AxGen, which yep. is really cool. So. I've met both of them and talked to them on the phone. So that was awesome. Um, yeah, I love seeing, uh, I see David's replies to your yeah. posts. I'm like, you are awesome. You are yeah, awesome. <laughs> he's the most supportive person that I've never met. Yeah. <laughs> he's so amazing. Um, you wait till you meet him in person. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> and then, oh, I guess, so I, this roundabout, but sidetracking. Um, I did know of them. I ran at Santa Clara for two years and they, we're on Strava and my teammates at Santa Clara, like you have to follow this couple. They're so cool. <laughs> Cause we ran on the same trails right. a lot in the San Jose area. And so I followed them probably it's six years ago now. And I had following them and I was a nobody. Like yeah. I had never run a step till Santa Clara. So I started following them when Strava kind of became big. And then when I got to talk to them, I kind of fangirled for the first <laughs> time because I thought they were these, and they still are, these amazing people, and they're so cool and good at what they do. So that was fun. But yeah, so pulling lots of people, pulling my family, friends, coaches, agent, anyone I can really get to answer me, I'll ask, like, what race suggestions do you have? Um, and then I'll narrow it down, maybe in a couple weeks. Cool. Do you have a part of the country you like racing in the most? Uh, the west i guess i'm partial yeah <laughs> west coast for the mountain stuff um the road stuff's kind of open and i think for the mountain stuff this year i'm looking to get overseas to I, that's a whole oh, so you really want the climbing yeah that's a whole other level of competition too so i've heard so i want to give that a go and see how i fare in that cool one thing you said was um you want to go longer and you want to like see what it's like yeah. to go longer and where where your head goes uh, what is it about longer than the marathon or longer than the half marathon yeah. or longer than four hours <laughs> that excites you? I think it's the idea of like, this is completely masochistic of me, but <laughs> totally exhausting myself physically and mentally. That sounds And like seeing what fun. happens. Yeah. Like where do you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and not in a way that is, I really don't like the feeling of like being lactic. So yeah. it's not exhausting in like the like way. Not an 800. 100. Yeah. Yeah, everyone thinks of 800 right. with lactic. <laughs> but I want to see, like, mentally and physically, like, just completely out of energy. When yeah. That's like, um, it sounds like fun and <laughs> something I would enjoy. <laughs> Is four hours the longest you've run? Yeah. Yeah. Well, three hours and 41 minutes. And what was the distance on that? 20 miles. So it's, 
I like I like going long for the same reason. It's like where does it's not for the discomfort. It's for what happens next. Uh-huh. So I did rim to rim to rim Ugh. in October, and I felt good for thirty eight miles, and <laughs> I was like, okay, I can't feel good for the whole thing. Like that's yeah. not possible. So it's coming, and. I took a video at mile 33 and I sent it to David. I was like, this is the highest I've ever felt ever. <laughs> I was like running on this like gradual oh, downhill running like seven thirties at mile at like the 50 K. And I was like, I'm going to pay for this and I can't wait. And 10 miles later, that was it. Oh, no. And, and it was so cool to like, and I was talking to my phone, like recording video because I was like, I want to remember this. <laughs> and I was like, this is the worst I've ever felt in a run. And I have seven miles of uphill climbing to go. Uh, and I was like, in that moment, I was like, this is what it's all about. It's like this moment, this is why we do it. Yeah. And it's such a cool feeling to to get there and then get persevere and get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um when when do you think when do you think you'll get there? Or is it still is that still oh. something in terms of the longer stuff that you want to you want to put off a little bit longer. I guess I mean the 50k I've looked at doing as soon as next year. Mm-hmm. Um and same with like a road marathon although I do think that needs to be more of a gradual build up yeah. because that's a little harder on my body and training stuff I think will be a little bit more more work to endure. So yeah, I've looked at 50k's up to next year. I don't want to go much beyond that. Because I do still want to run shorter stuff, yeah. and I do want more 10k PRs, and I can't make my range that big. <laughs> so, 10k to 100k, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I need to pace myself a little bit, but I do that in the near future, next couple of years, looking to go pretty long. Cool. Yeah. How long is long? I don't know. I guess 100 miles seems like that'd be fun, <laughs> but that's a ways off. A couple of years off. So, um. The marathon or the half marathon. What are you thinking about at mile ten or mile, you know, at, at mile ten? Um. Well, I've never done a marathon, so I can't speak to that. I've heard you're supposed to be feeling feeling good at that point. <laughs> but half marathon, I've only raced two, and they were downhill and very low key local races in Utah. So for me, like mile ten, I did them both also as tempos. So. They both at mile 10 were like, okay, just got to keep going. Um, but I do think there inevitably is a point in any race where you're kind of like, oh, no, will I make it? And you do have that kind of, I don't want to be doing this anymore. And I used to actually be sad um, when I would think that or I kept track of like, oh, I didn't think I didn't want to be racing. And now I kind of think like, oh, that's just part of it. Yeah. That's part of a race. So I think if you don't get there. You should be going faster. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Do you have a favorite distance? I don't think so. Not right now. All of them? Yeah, pretty much all of them. All of them are fun in their own ways and not fun in their own ways. Yes. Um, so you moved back to Utah um, from Flagstaff. What was it like living in Flagstaff in the, like, in the environment that that they have out there and and I'll sort of frame this in a different way. I have a lot of I've been in Boulder a lot. I have a lot of friends that live out in Boulder and they talk about Boulder average as being like you have a shoe sponsor. Mm-hmm. And and that's like 
you're good, like average at that point, or like you can run a sub four mile, like cool. Okay. So can 50 other people. Yeah. What is it like? What was it like living in a city like that where there's so much around, like there are Olympians everywhere? Mm-hmm. Um, It was cool, I guess. I don't know if I really had, it was, I was on a team. You've like close contact with some very good elite runners so that was really cool and that's part of the reason I wanted to go there in the first place was to have that kind of mentorship and learn from these people and see what I could get out of being around such talent and such big names um so it was cool and I do think I learned a lot of valuable lessons that I now take with me Um, but at the same time it was pretty it was kind of like a bubble where that is kind of all Flagstaff is and so if you're not running or you're hurt and you don't have anything else it feels a little suffocating because you're kind of stuck on this running island right so that also was like a downside i guess to being so concentrated with runners at such an intense level and is it different where you are in utah yeah so in salt lake much bigger city obviously um and i'm living with my boyfriend who's not a runner although he is He's an elite skier, but it's still different. My family's not runners, um, so I'm not in day-to-day contact with elite running, which for me is nice because I don't need that intensity to be good. Cool. So you took a risk, moved to moved back to Utah, and um, were you were you with were you with your sponsor after you moved, or was that? No, so I, um, the moving was, I walked out of that Got contract it. with Hoka. Yeah. So what was that like going into sort of the unknown? Yeah, it was scary because you hear about people are unsponsored and that's stressful, obviously, because you don't have a paycheck and it, you don't know if you're going to get paid ever. Right. Um, and also a little bit, I felt a little bit of guilt because I did have something that a lot of people would kill for and I chose to let it go. And so that was a little hard too. Um, but in the end I recognized like it wasn't great for me and maybe they can give this spot to someone else who will mean something too. And I needed to do it for my own well being, mentally and physically. I needed to leave. So yeah, it's bittersweet, but scary too. <laughs> yeah, that's I think um the phrase pressure makes diamonds sort of applies there. Mm-hmm. Um so you mentioned your own for your own mental clarity and mental conscience. Mm-hmm. Um, mental health is something you've talked a lot about on social media. Uh, where did that come from? Um, I mean, I've always dealt with it and it's always in a big part of my family and a lot of us deal with it. So talking about it openly with my family members was always a thing I did. And once I had a platform on Instagram, I felt like that was not my duty, but some, some way like I could contribute yeah. Yeah, to the greater good of like being the one to speak up and maybe if I do these other people can feel like they can too. Do you get a good response when you talk about that? Oh yeah, so many people and it's crazy so many people want to talk about it but no one does. Right. So you just need that one person to be like a catalyst yeah. for that. So I posted something a few weeks ago uh, about like seeing a therapist mm-hmm. and it was a photo from my therapist's office and I don't like literally 60 people replied like i see a therapist too and i don't have you know fifty thousand followers and 50 people replied and and that's 50 people of i don't know six thousand that replied yeah so how many are seeing a therapist that didn't reply right 
that makes me think that like a lot of people are doing it and a very small percentage of people are actually talking about it. Uh-huh. So it's cool that people with a with an audience like yours are talking about it and I want to say like normalizing it. Yeah. Um we talk about physical health. You go to a doctor, I guess we're getting on a soapbox here. Like <laughs> you, you go to a doctor to um yeah. to to diagnose physical health and make sure you're not getting sick yeah. physically. Why not do the same thing mentally? Right. Um all right, then we can step yeah, off the yeah. soapbox. Um <laughs> So is that something that you think about day to day or is it sort of come up every so often? Um, personally, yeah. I mean, I deal with it on a day daily basis. I take medication for it. So it is always something kind of at the forefront of my life mm-hmm. and it doesn't just affect running. I think a lot of people, when I say I have anxiety, are like, you have race anxiety. I'm like, no, I have generalized <laughs> life, anxiety yeah. and that sometimes takes the form of race anxiety. Uh, so what do you do for that? I've been learning. It's really helpful. That was also part of the reason I left was I realized I need to be in a space in my life where I'm happy coming into the race and then I'll fare a lot better handling the race anxiety. Cause I do think getting nervous is part of a race right. and you should be nervous. Nerves mean you <laughs> yeah. care. Um, if you don't maybe reconsider things, yeah. but if you're in a place where you're already on a level 10 coming into the race and then you're already maxed out. Right. You're just kind of in like a panic mode. So taking my life from like a 10 to a 5. <laughs> <laughs> and so then I can handle when I do have actual things that should rightfully make me right. anxious. So that's been helpful. And then I guess lately I've been just trying to really enjoy races and not talk them down to myself. But in a way I do. I remind myself that it's not a do or die situation. Um, the worst that could happen is I get last or I drop out. And then usually what comes after that is nothing will happen. Right. Like no, no one's chopping my head <laughs> off. So I'm like, okay, I can do this. I think like a super freeing realization is that like at the end of the day, nobody cares. Like, and I mean that in the best way possible. And, and the perfect example is, um, I'll remember this moment forever because of like how, painful it was at the time um so after we finished the grand canyon uh we come out and it's cold and dark and there's a bus that shows up and we had been running for 13 hours (laughs) and we get on the bus it took forever to get on the bus and i sit down and i open up a picky bar and it's like this crinkly wrapper and i start eating this picky bar and i was like oh man i'm starving this is gonna be awesome the bus driver turns around looks at me and says no eating on the bus. I was like, ma'am, um, I'm I'm really hungry. I just ran 45 miles. I'd like to eat this picky bar. I'd, I'd like to eat this bar. And she was like, I don't care. No eating on the bus. And so it was like, in that moment, nobody cares. Yeah. And totally, nobody. in, in totality, nobody cares. Yeah. It's just running. Mm-hmm. And we assign so much pressure to this thing that is supposed to bring us joy. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day like it's if it makes you happy that's success mm-hmm. in my in my opinion and it's just really funny that like in that moment like she couldn't care less <laughs> <laughs> i'm not going to eat it <laughs> and i ate it <laughs> it's like just there's yeah i'm going to eat this quickly and i really don't care <laughs> speaking of i don't care um so 
I did a podcast earlier today with a guy named Patrick Reagan, and one of the questions I asked him was, um, I see all these people doing, they call them projects, okay. and, you know, fastest known time, or I'm doing six marathons and okay. uh, under 2.30 and, you know, stuff like that. Um, or do, you, do you just really love the racing? Are there, are there these, like, projects that you want to do? Um, I think part of a realization, realization that I came to this year is that I don't intrinsically enjoy racing other people. Mm-hmm. For me, it's mostly about racing myself yeah. and beating myself. Um, so that part never intrigues me or the direct competition is never something I'm yeah. looking for, but I guess my project in maybe less, maybe this isn't what you're looking for, but I like to think it's showing that I can do road and trail stuff and do them both well and not just like average. Like I want to be elite in both. Um, so that's kind of my project moving forward is, showing that and showing that what I believe I can do is true. Cause I, I think you can, and there've been examples of it. So I want to be another example of that. For sure. And so, so you signed with Saucony mm-hmm. recently. Um, was that with the intent of, of doing both or, or were they, are they expecting both? Yeah. So I'm their hybrid athlete and very much I'm kind of in the spotlight right now for the trail stuff and they have some exciting new things coming up for 2020. So stay open. Stay tuned. (laughs) But yeah, so I'm kind of with the trail side right now and just the end of the trail season, but they definitely know and support me in chasing road goals as well. And they're very happy to do both. They're a fairly think, accomplished road brand. <laughs> I think that that was a, a draw, actually, when we were talking to other sponsors before Saucony. That was kind of a big selling point was I am a hybrid and I can do both. And if, if you're willing to let me, I can show you that you can do both. You can do both. And, yeah, be an ambassador for both areas. So what are those contra- what are those negotiations or conversations look like? Are you talking to a bunch of different brands? Yeah, so in my case, we were. We were talking to several. And uh, my agent, Josh Cox, shout out to him. He's been my <laughs> He's rock. pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, for the last six months, he's really kept me from going insane. Uh, but he's done a lot of work and we were talking to many brands through the course of the three months that I was unsponsored and, um, yeah, lots of pitching and selling points, but we, I was very firm and made Josh make sure that everyone knew that I wanted to do both and I didn't want one taken away and I don't want to be kind of pigeonholed and that actually ended up working in my favor to where he had a lot of interest from several brands. So that was really really cool. So what does that look like in terms of the obligations that you have for them? Um, there's nothing like no number, set number of races of each kind or whatever. I have a bonus structure that has both trail, mountain, and road stuff on it So, and track for that matter. So I'm really fortunate. I can just kind of have the pick of the litter whenever I want. And I think as long as I keep showing up and representing the brand well, um, that's all they're kind of looking for. That's awesome. Um, and it sounds like they're looking to do more in trail. Is that is that yeah. true? So, uh, yeah, I'll be heading kind of their trail stuff this weekend at TRE. And we've, they've got some exciting new trail products coming out. And then looking to move. So they sponsored... Um, U.S. Mountain Champs this year, and I think they're looking to sponsor more trail races in 2020 as well. So 
looking to jump on that trend. I think trail is kind of at the beginning of an explosion right now and yeah. they're at the forefront. Do you have any plans to do any crewing or pacing for longer ultras um, next year? I've been asked, uh, and there's several in Utah as well, so it'd make me really easy and yeah. convenient. So that would be fun. And I think that would be a good way for me to see an ultra before I do one because I haven't seen one yet either. So oh, maybe really? I should go to one first. Oh, you're in for a treat. <laughs> yeah. So I've I've um, crewed and yeah, and spectated two hundreds. Oh wow! And it's the coolest thing. Um, I went to Western States two years ago. And to see the same runner like every 20 miles and to see these like I specifically remember um, Casey Lichtig and seeing her like super happy and bubbly and like absolutely on cloud nine. And then just like she fell off the cliff (laughs) and then she came back and then she fell off the cliff and then she came back. And and to see somebody go through something like that is so cool. And like you then you get in the car and drive for four hours and you see them again. Um but something like that, and then uh, I crewed at uh, Run Rabbit in Colorado um, this past September, and there's nothing like the aid st- an aid station oh, of imagine. a of a hundred mile race. Yeah. And people are just like sacrificing their their weekend. I mean, they're not sleeping; they're yeah. you know staying awake all night, and it's just like. Yeah, the the line like if you are ever losing faith in humanity, go go watch a marathon. No, the line is if you're ever losing faith in humanity, go go spectate a hundred yeah. miler. Um, what are some of the ones that you've been asked to to participate in? Um, so Speed Goat is in Salt, well, just above Salt Lake, so that's really easy for me to get to. And then the Wasatch Hundred Mile is also right there, so those would both be easy ones for me to get to and. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. And so those are all higher elevation, right? Yeah. So what's it like living and training at at altitude? So I don't, I'm a bad person to ask. I was born in Salt Lake too. So for me, that's like all I've that's life, much yeah. ever known. I've never really trained at sea level. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> and I know that going to higher altitude, I've never noticed any... Like differences. eight or nine thousand. Yeah, and the Crest Trail, where part of Speed Goat is in Wasatch One Hundred, that's at ten thousand feet, and that I've just never feels known, fine. Yeah, I don't know, but I've I've seen teammates kind of struggle with it, and I know it's kind of individual depending on who you are and where you've been, and lots of things. So I know it can hurt a lot. <laughs> so how do you feel when you come to sea level? I guess. I feel pretty good. <laughs> the first run back, though, or the first day at sea level, never feels good. It yeah. always feels pretty bad. And I've read that that's um, there's debate that that's a physiological response. But yeah, I've never felt good the first day at sea level. So I have a friend who came to the canyon with us, and she lives at like eight thousand feet. And so she came. I think we were in it on Saturday. She came Monday, and um, we were in Flagstaff. Mm-hmm. Or she lives at 9,000 feet or something like that. Anyway, she was like, oh, my God, there's so much oxygen here. And just, like, felt amazing. I was like, we're at 7,000 feet. Like, people consider this high altitude. It was really funny to see. Um, A question I like to ask is, uh, what scares you? Oh, I – this is a fun question (laughs) because I – um, got very philosophical in college. And this is one of the questions I like to ask awesome. people. Um, so my answer was, what scares me most in the world is myself. 
because I think I'm both like the keeper of my destiny, but also the one that could really be the one to mess that up. And I've seen myself hurt myself um, and be like self-sabotage. Yeah, not self, not in like that I'm trying to, but like with anxiety, I've seen that really like derail a lot of things and it's uncontrollable. And that's the one thing in my life that I feel like I can't control um, and work every day to try and rectify that or coexist with. Um, so that's scary to me. It's like, I think myself could be the end of myself. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you, what are some of the tactics you use to um, work on that? The journaling, yeah. which plug for my journals, but also genuinely I, I use it every day and I think. Wait, plug, plug the journal. Yeah. What, what's the journal? <laughs> what's the journal? I ask. <laughs> <laughs> um, I make training logs and daily planners. Now and- available for 2020. $28 at racinggrayson.com. <laughs> but they're available now. Uh, I started last year with the 2019 edition and it was really successful. I had a really positive response and that was born out of a need for me to have a training log and also my daily life planner in one place because I felt like my life and my training is really intertwined as is most people who really enjoy running. Um, but also to emphasize that running wasn't my whole life, that other things are going on yeah. too. But the act of writing stuff down and having a moment to kind of go over and reflect on my runs for the day is really visceral to me. And it's been nice to write it down. It's kind of therapeutic. Yeah. And I wanted to share that with people. And then there's habit trackers and motivational quotes and stuff like that too, to kind of keep you on track and working towards goals, even when things seem impossible or hard. So that has been one thing that I've used to kind of help with my anxiety. And then a therapist is very helpful and medication, like I talked about earlier, I think is if that's something you're comfortable with or you should be open to at least trying, it's been really helpful for me. And then I guess just talking and sharing with friends and family has been helpful too. And then telling me like, you're not dying. (laughs) You don't need to worry about it like that's it's gonna be okay well as david and megan's book starts off we actually are dying (laughs) (laughs) and every day we're getting closer (laughs) um (laughs) interesting segue um death is not imminent death is not imminent is the point yeah (laughs) hopefully um so yeah, the journaling thing or the introspection is is super useful. So through working with David, we we use a training log uh, through Google Sheet, and there's a there's a training section, and then there's a life section. And I found that this year the life section is much larger than the training yeah. section. It's just like a dumping of of uh, everything I thought about in the day into right. into it. So shout out to David for keeping me from imminent danger. Hey, David, <laughs> yeah. Imminent. Um, Let's talk about balance. Okay. Uh, How do you feel about balance? I think that's one of the most important things to being successful is having balance. Um, And maybe short term you can be successful being unbalanced, but it's not sustainable. I don't think you can put every ounce of energy you have into running. Maybe you run really fast in the marathon. Then what do you have once the race is over? Um, And that's not fun not a fun place to be so once you realize that i think you're going to be ultimately more successful in the long run yeah it's fascinating a lot of coaches will say exactly that 
um, Ben Rosario, who I'm sure you know very well, uh, was was the first guest on this podcast, and he he that's one of the things he talked about. It was like if running is your everything, I feel bad for you. Yeah, and and I think that so there are people who they work they they run they work in running and you know they do a lot of things in running, but I think the point is. It's not just your running. It's somebody right. else's running. Mm-hmm. And if you're a coach, you have that going for you. Yeah. And so Patrick was talking about like sometimes when his running is not going so well, he pours more effort into his coaching mm-hmm. and he helps other runners right. do better. But that's not his running. So yeah. it's, it's it's sort of following the ups and downs along the way and, and putting your not putting all your eggs into one basket. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah, I think that's helpful. I think and that's probably why Ben... He was very helpful and understanding when I kind of asked him. I think I told him one day, I was like, I don't think I'm feeling very fulfilled with my life. And that was pretty early on in the spring. And he helped me try and work through that. And then eventually I was like, this is what I need to do. And he was very supportive about it and tried to help me with the transition as much as he could. And I think it is because he understands that that ultimately is what is going to make you successful. I think that that type of situational awareness is incredible like both on your part and on his part that like he wasn't trying to put a circle into a square or a square Mm -hmm. into a circle and instead recognized that it wasn't a good fit and helped you make that decision or or assisted that Mm -hmm. along the way versus um you know you could see some coaches trying to push and trying to make it work and then it's more effort on your part, more effort on their part. And in the end, what's the point? Yeah. Yeah. I think the, I wrote a blog on this too, but I think the words I told him and a lot of my family, once I decided, I was like, I think I just, I feel like I'm the wrong shaped puzzle piece (laughs) for this whole, like, it's not quite wrong. It's not all wrong. Some parts of it are right, but it's not all right Right. either. And I think I could find a better hole for me to fill. I think that that's like the that's like the biggest lesson I've acknowledged this year and I think a lot of people go through life comfortable or like not comfortable is not the right word like accepting of yeah, where they resigned, are resigned or um yeah exactly and there's so much on the other side yeah and whether it's in relationships or in your career or in whatever, yeah, in your career, mm-hmm. um, I think that I think that like sometimes the grass is greener on the other side, and yeah. you should sometimes shake things up, yeah, entirely, and leave something that seems perfect, yeah, if it's not perfect for you, right? Yeah, I think, I mean, seemingly, if you looked only at results and press releases from this spring before I left. Everything was perfect with air quotes. Perfect on uh, paper. Yeah. I had a 50 second PR in the 10K, um, a good result at Cherry Blossom. And I made my first USA team for NACAC cross country. So everything was perfect, I suppose, but not perfect. But whose who's definition of perfect? Yeah. And I think I realized that when I ran the 10K and was really bummed, I just PR'd by 50 seconds. <laughs> And lots of people were really excited for me. And I was like, that was awful. Like, I didn't enjoy any yeah. of that. And why am I doing this? <laughs> like, existential dread. <laughs> Q existential dread. <laughs> um, 
So that was a big realization that it's not doesn't have to be what other people think. So what? Where where did it click, or where where was that moment? Um, probably the ten k was a big turning point of like, oh, I should be enjoying this because I was talking to my teammates and they were like, yeah, we love the races, and I was like, the hmm. races are the worst <laughs> part for me. Yeah, I only do the races so that I can train. <laughs> Uh, because I have to in my contract. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, that's huh. not what it yeah. should be. And, then, and now what is it like? Now I go to races and I'm nervous, but I'm excited too. And I finish feeling excited, which is really awesome. Um, and I'm excited to like accomplish and motivate and push myself. Um, where before it was kind of just going through the motions of it. And even though there was success it was only kind of natural, natural learning curve yeah. of just running another year and getting better naturally. So, yeah, that was kind of weird. Well, I think it's interesting because like that type of success is not sustainable or the, the on paper success that yeah. you were seeing is not sustainable if you're not enjoying it. Like you mm-hmm. can train hard for a year and like put yourself in a hole yeah. and PR but like, then what are you going to do the next year? Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's I think that's fascinating. So, social media as an athlete, uh, we talked a little bit about it. Um, do you find it challenging? Do you find do you enjoy it? What's what's your relationship with social media? Um, I have mixed feelings sometimes. <laughs> I like to think of it, and I try and use it as a platform for positive change, and it is really cool and interesting that I can use this to reach 50,000 people with a message. And it's a responsibility, a big one that I am willing to take on. But at the same time, it is kind of hard because I, now I feel like a little more closed off than I used to be with it. Um, in terms of like personal life, like dates with my boyfriend or that's like not a place anymore for that. Um, like I don't put Cause there are so stories. many people. Yeah. Uh, so I keep, like family stuff and those are my things and i was telling my sister actually um in hawaii i kind of don't like taking pictures of myself anymore um in like hawaii on these hikes and stuff i'll take a picture of the hike because it's pretty but i don't want to be in it because i'm in a lot of photos and i don't want to save myself <laughs> and sometimes i want those moments to be mine to cherish and not mine and 50,000 other people so it's been a little weird kind of going through that but that being said I think I've been fortunate I've had wonderful people on Instagram 99.9% of them are so nice to me and you guys are all awesome (laughs) (laughs) and hopefully all 50,000 listen to this episode yeah (laughs) (laughs) we break lots of records (laughs) (laughs) I would call that an outrageous success (laughs) Um, what are some of the challenges beyond or in addition to um, sort of finding that personal balance with social media, um, specifically as a professional athlete. Yeah, I guess you can't. There are some controversial topics you need to avoid. I would say politics, especially <laughs> right now, and kind of a volatile political situation is something that is not super okay to talk about unless you want to get in a bunch of fights. Um, <laughs> and diet is another one right. that people are, Food. it's worse it's than really politics. Hard. Yeah. Um, but that's one you talk about a lot. Yeah, so I guess I I've had exper- personal experiences in eating disorder in high school and so I feel like from that I do have a place 
coming from a place where I can talk about it from more of an educated standpoint on, and I can try and see both sides being both having had one and now where I'm feel like I'm in control of that, um, see where some people are coming from. But it is hard because there's a lot of ignorance out there and some people are like, well, why don't they just eat? And it's like, well, <laughs> it's not that not easy. Really how yeah. it works. Um, and with women in particular, it's hard trying to convey to men how being a woman and all the other body image issues stuff that we kind of go through with like you see not even in running in other advertising like in fashion and then how that is in our psyche moving into the running world how that affects you where men are like why don't they just realize that they it's not sustainable so that's kind of weird and i try and be very careful about what i say um not to not offend anyone, but to make sure that I'm educated and for not looking at another perspective that might be equally as valid. That makes sense. Um, what do you wish you knew when you started running that you know now? Oof. Well, <laughs> so to be fair, <laughs> caveat, it's I like have a couple knew years absolutely ago. <laughs> nothing when I started running. Um, did not have a running watch. I'd never seen a cross country race before. I love the story you told <laughs> Eric about your first cross country race. Let's, yeah. let's hear that one. Okay. So we are, so this is 2015. So almost five years ago, 2014, fall of 2014. Um, we're on our way to San Francisco Golden Gate Park for my first ever cross country race <laughs> in college. And I turn to the coach and I ask, uh, how do cross country races work? Are there heats and lanes? Um, what does it look like at the start line? And it's a very long answer. track. Yeah, for a moment, and then he was like, "Oh my god!" It's just serious. <laughs> just shook his head, <laughs> and that's not at all what it was like. <laughs> so that was pretty fun and eye opening. So you wish you knew what cross country was when you started? Yeah, I knew uh, that it looked not fun because. The cross-country team practiced when we did in high school and I was playing soccer at the same time. So I would see them running and I always thought to myself, thank God I'm not <laughs> with them because that looks awful. I'm so glad that I'm over here on the soccer field. So, yeah, totally different now. I like cross-country. <laughs> nice. Um, so what what do you wish you knew? Oh, yeah. Um, what do I wish I knew? I guess... Mm, that's a hard question or what are some of the things you've learned recently oh recently uh, that it's okay to walk and race yes that was new uh, mountain racing often requires a lot of hiking and it's more efficient and you got to swallow your pride and just do it because you're a dummy if you don't <laughs> you'll go slow you'll walk eventually yeah <laughs> by like choice or, or by yeah. not or... um so swallowing your pride and then also that people are going to say stuff and you might get good and people are still going to say stuff about you and you need to really tune them out. And probably the better you get, the more people will say stuff right. about you. And I have made the mistake of getting on message boards in the past and that was, took me weeks to recover from. Yeah. So that was a lesson in learning. Like, don't <laughs> listen to what people have to say about you. I think a good quote someone told me or piece of advice was, don't take criticism from someone you wouldn't take advice from yeah that's good yeah i might have to write that down yeah. and use that as like a quote for this uh yeah. <laughs> this interview so when i whenever someone says something i'm like would i let them write my training 
No. <laughs> so oh, that's don't so have good. To say anything about me? So, um, Amelia Boone talked about this a lot, and something I think she said was, no matter what, ten percent of people are not going to agree with you. And as your platform grows, that ten percent is still ten percent, mm-hmm. but it's a bigger ten percent. Yeah. <laughs> so it just yeah, if you wouldn't take training advice from them, that's it. Yeah. Um, what do you wish your fans knew about you? Oof. Um, I guess maybe people don't realize I'm severely introverted, extremely introverted. So I think I come off pretty extroverted on social media, but in person I like my alone time. Um, I really like reading books and I'm pretty soft spoken in person as well. I'm pretty shy in big groups. So that's kind of, I think people don't realize that. So at, at the TRE Expo, we'll see you right in the oh middle gosh, of the floor oh, with yeah. everyone. Yeah. Have you been in there yet? No, I haven't. <laughs> I'm going to be in the corner. Yeah. Well, fortunately, it's a lot of good people, but there are a lot of them. Okay, preparing them. Um, no, all, all jokes aside. Um, where can we find you on social media and follow your ad- fun adventures on roads and trails oh, yes. and tracks and potentially even cross-country Everywhere. courses? Yeah, um, you can find me at Racing Grayson, Grayson underscore Grayson on Instagram and Twitter. Although on Twitter, I don't tend to type much. Um, but I'll retweet a lot of things and I'll like your tweets if they're good. <laughs> and my website, if you want to read what I've written, I have a lot of blogs up and learn more about me. That's racing-grayson.com. Awesome. Well, Racing Grayson, thanks for, uh, Thank thanks for chatting today and have fun this week in Austin. Thanks for having me. For sure. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next week on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too.